0: Our scripture reading this morning is Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 6. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples became, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So that they might accuse him and he said to the man with the withered hand come here And he said to them is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm to save life or to kill But they were silent And he looked around at them with anger grieved at the hardness of their heart and said to the man Stretch out your hand He stretched it out and his hand was restored the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him.
1: Thank you, Chris. We're back in the book of Mark. It's good to be back here. We've been uh, doing our prayer emphasis through the month of January, and we've had a number of things otherwise through December, and and so now we get back to our series working through the book of Mark. And as you see, our text is Mark chapter 2 and chapter 3, but the title I want you to pay attention to. The title is this. You want to be a Pharisee? Really? A Pharisee? Uh, When I was a kid, I remember thinking, maybe you thought this too, maybe you still do, I remember thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool to be a fireman? How many of you thought that somewhere along the line? You were, you were ready to be a farmer. Yes, let's just do that, all right? Um, later, I was thinking, you know, it'd be really a good job to be an engineer. Who wants to be an engineer? Right. We got a whole church at that here, all right? Uh, but I was thinking that, and then kind of moved away, and then God led in different ways, but I remember that. My grandson wants to be a race car driver. and to this day, he's, I mean, that's everything about being that race car driver. So what do you want to be when you grow up? I can't imagine anyone ever saying when they're a child, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a Pharisee. I don't hear any parents saying we're making the way so they know how to be a really good Pharisee. Anybody want to do that? What are you thinking? I've never heard that as a response. The word Pharisee that we've read about here in chapter 2 and chapter 3 it comes from a Hebrew word meaning set apart or separated, to divide, uh, something that's better than the others. And originally, uh, Paul was one of these Pharisees, but God saved him from that. Jesus did something to transform his life, and he moved away from being a Pharisee. That word Pharisee ha- comes from a, the, something that's connected with the Paras. Th- those that are, that are dividing, that are separating. And Jesus can save us from that pharisaical mindset. Now, I've got to warn you out of the gate here. This is one of those sermons where you have to make sure that you're examining your own heart rather than the failures of others. All right? So, again, you're already thinking, yeah, I, I know one of those but don't do that right now just do all you can to to point the finger back at yourself you now when we point the finger at somebody else we got three pointing back at us right so let's let's pay attention to what god is prompting us about we, humility is recognizing that god sees what i really am and i don't have to put on and it's not like i'm better than somebody else so this is the focus today our text is mark chapter 2 and chapter 3 and we're going to be focusing on what it is that God wants to speak to me about. Normally, when you hear this passage preached, you approach these two stories separately. You have the, the story of them walking through the, the cornfield on the Sabbath day, and then you have another story of the, of the man with the withered hand that Jesus heals. Uh, however, I, I see a connection between the two. Uh, you, have, you have the Pharisees mentioned in both sections, right? Uh, And so that's something that's in common between the two. But I also see that there's a pronoun connecting the two events. There's a pronoun here that's assumed we know we're talking about the same ones along the way. Hmm. So Jesus was doing something in, in two separate occasions, yet the gospel writer here, Mark, puts these two together on purpose for us to get a point. So, we're trying to figure out what is it that is being emphasized here. There's an emphasis Jesus seems to be making for his followers to comprehend between these two events. This pronoun mentioning the Pharisees and both of them is something to put together. So, what is that? What was their problem? What should we learn from this? Let me draw your attention to three issues, um, maybe tendencies, that that we can be paying attention to for ourselves. Our task today is to identify the tendencies of the Pharisees in Mark chapter two and three, and then ask yourself, am I one? Avoid these tendencies. The first is this, a Pharisee majors on the minors, makes big deals out of nothing, makes mountains out of mohills. Would you look at verse 23 in Mark chapter 2? On the Sabbath, so you know what that is. That's that's their day of worship and rest. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So they're walking through the field. They're they're hungry. They're, it wasn't out like they, they were out there working. It wasn't like they were traveling. They were just going from one place to another, and along the way, they 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 were allowed to grab a ear of corn and turn around and gather the kernels and enjoy that. Nutrition, right? That's just that's what they were doing as they were walking along. They were grabbing an ear of corn and, and, and grabbing that. But here's the problem. Look at verse 24. These Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? That was a big deal to them. The Pharisees were noted for strict observance of rites and ceremonies of the written law and... Their own traditions. There's a whole lot of religion that does this. They'll have their Bible but then they'll add so much to it that's not in the Bible. They were doing that. John MacArthur said that they created overlaid laws upon laws upon laws upon laws upon rituals and routines and rules and restrictions and restraints that made the Sabbath day anything but rest it was the most difficult, limiting, wearying day of the week. Ugh! Because of all the expectations. So, notice this perspective in verses 25 and 26. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, and, and he, he and those were with him? They, there was a need there. And so, what do they do? As they're walking along, they eat this bread of presence. That, that is there in their, their worship place. And so then David ate that, and then he gave it to those who were with him. And you've got to be thinking, hmm, why did he do that? Are there some exceptions to the rule? So then Jesus narrows in on the focus, and we're moving right through this here, so pay pay attention with me. There's a focus here. There's a purpose here in verses 27 and 28. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man or for man's benefit. It wasn't about the rules. It was what God knew was going to help us. The Sabbath was made for man or for our benefit, not the man for the Sabbath, so, and then he says this, the Son of Man, which is Jesus' term for himself, which was taking them back to Daniel and identifying him as the Messiah, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I say, wow. Right here, he's saying to them, he's God, and, and he's the one who made this thing that we call the Sabbath. Let's stop here. Just I want to do a little rabbit trail here and, and note this. We need a day of rest. We just get going 90 miles an hour, hurrying, hurrying, hurrying. And God created the day of rest. Would you keep your place there in in Mark? But you go all the way back to the beginning of your Bible? You've got one there in front of you if you want to use it. And go to the very first book of the Bible, to Genesis. And chapter 2, after God had, on these various days, had made all these various things. And then on the seventh day, chapter 2, verse 2, on the seventh day, we read, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day for all his work that he had done. Now, I think it's important to note that that was a 24-hour period. On that day, God was resting. It wasn't for a general idea of time. It was for that day God was resting and he did that on purpose to set an example for us of for something that we really did need. There are two reasons that come out in scripture as I highlight this as we look at this two reasons for the Sabbath refreshment and worship to be refreshed and to be able to say it's not about me it's all about God worship. The Sabbath was made for man for us to be able to be refreshed, and to say, God, I need you. In fact, the word Sabbath means rest or cessation, to rest, not Saturday. Everybody thinks this, it has to be Saturday. What a concept. It means rest. Uh, back in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, there was, a, there was an occasion where, where Jesus said to his followers, Come away. By yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They were just like us. And they had no leisure even to eat. So this was an important thing to address, that they needed to learn how to stop, take a breath, and recognize there's something more important than all the things we think. So what's your attitude toward taking a Sabbath? Is it a fun day? Is it another work day? Is it a a day no different than any other? Is it all about the rules and the requirements of a Sunday and all the expectations that we put on ourselves? Let me encourage you to, during 2023, to learn to make Sundays a blessing. Think of it as, as as a priority. And let me just give you out a couple of these suggestions about that. In order to make Sunday a priority, or this day of rest, go to bed early on Saturday night. By the way, in, in the Bible times, their, their day started at 6 o'clock the, the night before. All right? So I think it's okay to, to kind of be thinking, I have something to get ready for, and go to bed early. And get some rest. Um... The older I get, the more natural that seems. <laughs> I'm just I'm needing to go to bed earlier. All right, and I, I, if somebody said you need to go to bed earlier, then I say, okay, please, thank you, let me. All right, but but go to make it a point to just set aside other distractions. Most of you know that typically on a on a Saturday evening, I'm not out doing other things because I gotta be thinking about Sunday and I gotta be thinking about preaching, you know. And but but I think that's a good practice for us all, just to take some time on Saturday evening to go slow down. All right, number two, meet with the Lord alone on your own. Meet with the Lord. So open your Bible, talk to God, let him talk to you. Open your Bible, pray, just start reading, read your Psalms for the day, and just say, Lord, I want you to know that I'm paying attention to you. Meet with the Lord. Have you done that yet today? Do you have some plans to do that alone with the Lord maybe this afternoon or this evening? Oh, can't do that this evening. There's a game on. Meet with the Lord alone. Number three, meet with other believers to worship. And that's what you've chosen. I'm, I'm preaching the choir today because you're here. But, but make it a point that this is a priority because this is what helps me gain perspective on, on how I'm going to get through this next week. I have others that are with me worshiping Christ. And you're focusing on Jesus. Yes, even on Super Bowl Sunday, you're focusing on Jesus. And number four, this is probably the most spiritual thing I can say today, take a nap. My my girls will tell you quite often, I would say to them when they were younger and teenagers and so forth, the most spiritual thing you can do today is to take a nap. Because, you know, life gets all stirred up and excited and urgent and worries and all this. And, you know, it's amazing how just a little bit of sleep can help so much. Do that today. Now, I have a hard time sleeping on Sunday afternoons, but I can at least rest. But but that's, that's a good thing to, to... In other words, to be able to make it a priority, just slow down a little bit enough to close your eyes and take a nap. Now, that's a sidetrack, but, but I think that's something that, that we need to be getting from this idea of Sabbath, not a, a bunch of rules that we have to be keeping about what is expected on that particular day. So these Pharisees were majoring on the minors. In fact, if you... Keep your place in Mark chapter 2 and 3, and just slide back a few pages back to Matthew chapter 23. You'll see that there's a whole chapter that Jesus is addressing these Pharisees, and he's saying unto them, whoa, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, and then he's making all these things that are, that are showing that they're making mountains out of molehills. They're, they're messing it up because they're majoring on the minors, and they're not paying attention to what needs to be done. Which then leads us to the second tendency, a second tendency, majoring on the minors, and then a Pharisee ignores the needs of others. So self-focused, doesn't even have an idea of what's going on in the lives of others. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, that place where they were gathered to, to worship, and a man was there with a withered hand. How long had he been there? Why was he there? What, what was his story? What happened in his life that got him there? A man was there with a withered hand. But the Pharisees didn't ask those questions. In fact, it's, it's assumed that this man was there on a regular basis. The Pharisees missed the opportunity that was right there in front of them because they were so focused on the exercise of their own morality, what made them better than others. And we have Pharisees all over the place, in churches, yes, but everywhere else where we're identifying what's wrong with everyone else, and I'm the one that's the perfect one because I've got my own set of moralities. And they'd argue for what they thought was important. All the while, this man with the withered hand goes unnoticed. And if we can sit and debate our arguments and our positions and our rules and our theology and our standards or whatever, without noticing the man with the withered hand, we're no different than these Pharisees. May I remind you that pure religion visits the fatherless and the widow in their affliction. How does that change our priorities through the week and even on a Sunday? James 1, 26 and 27. Then there's a third tendency. Not only do we major on the minors and we we don't even see the needs around us, but a third tendency, and this is really what this passage focuses in on, is a Pharisee displays a critical spirit. The mindset focus here is on what's wrong with the other person and the chance to catch them in that wrong. You ever play chess? The whole point of the game of chess is to maneuver your opponent into a position where you can get them. You're always looking for their weakness and how to, to take advantage of that. That's the Pharisee. By the way, if you play chess against me, you probably win because I, I, I don't think ahead enough to be able to catch people in their, in their wrong move on the chessboard. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should just play it more and get better at it. But you're setting them up for failure. And that's what these Pharisees were doing. They were looking for a way to set Jesus up for a failure. They watched they accused, they held counsel against Jesus. You'll see this in the passage. They were looking for something, and then they were, they were accusing him, and then they were holding counsel. This is what we're going to do against him. Look at chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. They watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse or charge him. And he set the man with the withered hand, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come here we're going to come back to that here in a little bit verse 4 and he said to them is it lawful on the sabbath to do good or to harm to save a life or to kill but they were silent oh they were seething you know this this silent treatment I'm not I'm just not going to even talk so often that's revealing the critical spirit I know in me if I go into the silent mode I'm just not going to talk It's because I'm finding something wrong in the person that's talking to me. Did you catch that? Look at verses 5 and 6. And he looked around them with anger. Why? Because they had been majoring on the minors. They were ignoring the needs of others. And particularly this critical spirit of finding wrong. Jesus was angry, grieving at the hardness of their heart. And so he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And God can do that. And the Pharisees, notice this, they went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians. It's amazing how enemies can become friends when they don't like Jesus. <laughs> and how to destroy Jesus, apolumai, literally to obliterate. And I'm thinking, really? You're going to obliterate the Son of God? Who has always been for all time and always will be God you're going to obliterate God not going to work our world is trying to do that it's not going to work so by majoring on the minors by missing the ministry opportunity and by manifesting this critical spirit The Pharisee missed the Messiah. Don't repeat their mistake. You don't want to be a Pharisee. You don't (laughs) want to grow up to be a Pharisee. Here's the danger. And here's what I want us to consider. You're probably closer to being one than you think. Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts (laughs) and see if there's a hypocrite in there. See if there's a Pharisee in there. I told you at the beginning, this is one of those sermons where you can't be thinking, oh, yeah, those people. It's where we have to examine our own hearts. And if Jesus were to look in your heart, would he be saying, and he does, how God sees me. He searches the heart of man. There's nothing hid from him with whom we are to do. As Jesus searches your heart, does he see a Pharisee? So I'm going to urge you to be asking yourself the hard questions about this. In your priorities of your life, your tendencies, are you majoring on the minors? Thinking that that makes you a better person. Are you so focused on what you think is important that you don't even see the needs of others around you? Are you automatically in that critical mode when you see somebody that doesn't live up to your expectations? In your handout, you have the middle page where a place to follow along with some outline points here. And you're needing to ask the hard question, am I a Pharisee? And there are a number of discussion questions that you can use with a life group or a Sunday school class or even in your own quiet time or maybe discussion at your table. But there are a number of questions here that are going to draw you into asking the hard question, am I a Pharisee? Am I a fake? Am I a hypocrite? It's amazing how quickly we can identify who the other person is that is a hypocrite. But we'd never call ourselves that hypocrite. Oh, God, help us. The second question you need to be asking yourself is really at the core of all of this. Do you think you're good enough without God? These Pharisees had all the rules. They had all the In fact, Jesus was talking about the, the Pharisee and the publican, and this man said, look at me, look at all I've given, look at all my works, and, and, and he's praying and he's, he's boasting while he's praying, and yet the, this sinner who's next door is just, just saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. How often we're just like that man who thinks it's all about him. That he's good enough most of religion is wrapped around that idea just be good enough but the bible is very clear our righteousness is as filthy rags (laughs) it's not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he has saved us for by grace are we saved through faith that is not of ourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast you know that let's remind ourselves of this truth that it's God's love for us, and that love for us from God motivates us to say, God, I want to please you and, and to serve you and make a difference for you and live for your kingdom. Lord, I want that. So, Lord, deliver me from majoring on the minors, ignoring the needs of others, and being critical, finding fault in my mate, people at church, or the pastor. Now, on that one, you probably have some reasons to be able to have that on the list there. Uh, Your your boss, it doesn't do us any good to fall into that critical mode. Oh, God, move us from that. May we repent of that. But most importantly, may we see our need of a Savior who can rescue us and who can fix us. This man with a withered hand. He was in a helpless place. There was nothing he could do. His ability, I mean, if you, were to th- if you were to live in that kind of environment, you probably were at a very bad spot if you could not use your hands to be productive. Right? It wasn't like he could just learn to type with one hand. He didn't have a computer to work on all day long and sit in his house. He had to be out constructing or moving or, or dealing with the animals or whatever. His, he was very limited. So his hand, he couldn't use it. And like this man with the withered hand, we have to be desperate for Christ's intervention. And Jesus came and said to this man, come. And then the question is, when Jesus comes to you and says, come, will you? Listen to his gospel message and when Jesus says come do exactly as this man with the withered hand did and find what God can do to rescue you and to restore you and to give your life purpose and power oh God you've taken us through this scripture and with one little pronoun combined the two together and you've drawn us to some conclusions that we need to see that Being a Pharisee is not what we want to be. Lord, we want to be like you. And how you love us. And how true you are. And how holy you are. Not because we want to make ourselves better, but because we we want to respond to your love. I pray, God, that your gospel message would be very clear today. And that each one of us would see our need. And that there would be a response of believing in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be able to say... God, you met our need, and you loved us in spite of what we were, and you extended your grace to us and restored us. May we draw near to you, Lord, in faith, believing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.